Hi, this is Jake Turner for the Turning Points Podcast. This is where you're going to find the best guest, Charles Davis, analyst for Fox Sports and NFL Network. He's Arifa Sun, uh, AAF writer and Vikings writer for The Athletic, and takes you won't find anywhere else. You're not buying into the uh, Kevin Durant, Patrick Beverly feud? No. I think that's a joke. I think that's about as big of a joke as when Richard Karn hosted Family Feud for that year. Find this podcast and subscribe to it to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's time to get to both sides of the story. I love this time of year when it comes to sports. I mean, it's crazy. We've witnessed not one, not two, but three Game 7s in the NHL. The NFL Draft is tonight, and then of course, we have what is happening in the NBA playoffs. And for some reason, it's not just Damian Lillard's you know, game-winning buzzer beater, but now the Clippers have decided to make it interesting to take the Warriors to Game 6. So I thought to myself, who can I bring on? Of course, I gotta bring on Brian Noah of The No Show. He has a show on NBC Sports Northwest and does the weekends on Fox Sports Radio, and he joined us on the line. Brian, it's good to hear from you again. Yeah, man, good to be with you. How's everything going? Oh, uh, things gonna be better here at the Dan Patrick School Sportscasting. Uh, just uh, staying busy, grinding away. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. All right, so uh, you were able to cover this, uh, the Blazers game. Uh, take me back to that night uh, when Damian Lillard hit that game winner. What was going on? Yeah, man, just crazy. Just As you know, the Blazers were swept in back-to-back series before this year. So for Dame to hit a step-back 37-footer, especially with all the back-and-forth with the Thunder, who were very chippy and very lippy throughout the series, uh, it was a pretty special moment, man. Really cool stuff, especially for the city here in Portland. Yeah, the crazy thing to me was is that I, when I was watching the Blazers and the Thunder, I just looked at the Blazers, and they were just sitting here being like, let our play do the talking. Why did the Thunder continue to think that talking was going to help them try to win? That's just how they are, man. It's, uh, that's the way Russell Westbrook is. And, you know, he's one of those stars that uh, is very influential. If you look at Paul George doing his post-game interviews. Paul George is never as short with the media as he is when he's just by himself. But when he's next to Russell Westbrook, he gets very short. And so they just follow Russell Westbrook's lead. And with him being Mr. Next Question guy, I think that's what led to some of the stuff that you saw with the media, how short they were, and then also how chippy they were on the court. I think it starts with Russell Westbrook's lead and the tone that he sets. Has any of the Blazers ever said next next question to you? No, no, no. Dame is, (laughs) especially Dame, Dame is one of the more thoughtful guys in the NBA. You could ask him one of these NFL combine questions, like if you are a would you be a dog or a cat or a weeping willow or what tree? What You could ask him something completely off the wall, and he would put some thought and effort into it. What What, what was his thoughts on the NFL Combine? Lillard's? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know he's all about the Raiders. He was excited about the Antonio Brown trade. But I don't know if he, uh, he got knee-deep into the Combine or not. What is it about Damian Lillard that makes this team go, 
He's just special, man. He's, uh, he's one of the best point guards in the game. He's an incredible leader. And you saw it in the series against the Thunder. The confidence that he has in himself is infectious, and that feeds down onto the team. And then the composure. You know, it would have been very, very easy for Dame to lose his composure numerous times during the series or press to a fault with them being swept in back-to-back playoffs. So I think that's the main thing. It's confidence, it's composure, and he just sets the tone. He remains calm, he doesn't freak out, and everybody picks up where he leaves off and carries forth that same vibe. So he's an amazing, (laughs) amazing player and leader. He's Brian No of The No Show. You can tweet him at, at The No Show. He joins us here on Turning Points. We go through both sides of the story. I'm Jake Turner. You can find him on NBC Sports Northwest and weekends on Fox Sports Radio. Charles Barkley has the Portland Trailblazers winning the West. What is the vibe right now in Portland? Uh, well, they're fired up, man, as you can imagine. They're all about it. They're, some of them are just as crazy as Charles Barkley. <laughs> as much as I would love to see them get to the finals, and they're not going to. Like That's just not going to happen. Losing Nurk is too big of a loss with Yusuf Nurkic going down. I am incredibly impressed that they got able, uh, they got past the Thunder in five games, but beating the Warriors is a completely different animal, and unfortunately that's just not going to be happening this year. Brian, how are the Clippers beating the Warriors? Because the Warriors are underachievers. I've said it the whole time. It's yes, the yeah. Warriors just just based on their <laughs> capabilities, like the level they're capable of reaching during the regular season. They underachieved noticeably, and I think based on if you compare them to any other team in the NBA, and you said, "All right, what's the." Uh, the maximum capability in the regular season of the Clippers, let's say. Well, they maximized it. If you look at the Warriors, they were well below. We're talking 10, 15 losses below the level they should have been at. And that had to do with effort. They lost at home to the Mavericks. Like, that should never – they lost by 33 points at home to the Mavericks. You know, it's just – it's a lack of focus and effort – way too many times throughout the regular season of the Warriors, and that's trickled into the playoffs. You can see it. They've taken a couple of games for granted. They had a 31-point lead, blew it. That's the biggest lead in NBA playoff history that's that's been blown. And then they sucked it up last night in Game 5 at home. They drive me crazy. They make me want to tear my hair out because they are so lackadaisical. They roll the basketballs out there, and they're yawning and saying, we're more talented than you, and they don't work. A lot of times they just don't work, and that comes back to bite them. And I hope it comes back to bite them against a better team where they just let their guard down and they end up in a bad spot. Effort should always be a given, and they don't provide it. If you were an investor, would you invest in the future of the Los Angeles Clippers or the Los Angeles Lakers? Oh, Clippers. By miles. Like, okay. The Clippers just grind. They absolutely get after it. And if you're Kawhi Leonard, I mean, which place is more appealing to you? The Clippers have been battling the Warriors right now with no stars. That's None. right. If you're Kawhi Leonard, I would be – if I'm him, I'm thinking, man, that's where I want to go. I want to go <laughs> with that organization that has things figured, figured out. Things aren't dysfunctional. 
and you've got a team that is absolutely battling. Like, take the Lakers, for instance. That's a team that didn't maximize their capabilities either. They went through the motions a lot of times, especially the end of the season. LeBron's getting pushed out on defense by Kyle Kuzma. What is That's that? Right. Like, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'd much rather go to the Clippers right now. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't agree more because when I keep I watched that game yesterday, and it just floored me to how Lou Williams, who used to play for the Lakers, hit that sweet three, and it just shut down Oracle Arena like that. I, I'd never seen anything like it, and then they just continue to run and run and run, and then Mont. What was his name? Montre. I can't say his name here. Montre Harrell was his name? Yeah. Montre yeah. Harrell dominated inside the lane last night. I mean, it was uh, it was like the slam dunk contest for him last night. I mean, he just kept dominating inside there, and I think he only missed like three shots at that point. So I would definitely invest in that future. And, and like you said, if you are Kawhi Leonard, I would definitely look into the Clippers if you don't want to stay in Toronto. And so at this point, Jumping to the NFL here, and I, I know that you're around there. I mean, you're in Portland, and you're about a state away from Seattle. How the heck did the Seahawks pull off this trade with Frank, Frank Clark? Uh, the Chiefs are desperate. You know, they're, they're desperate for defensive help. And, you know, they, do, they are in a, a different spot than the Seahawks are in. If you look at Russell Wilson, he did just sign the biggest deal in NFL history. Right. And you still have Patrick Mahomes on his rookie deal. So you can, uh, you can afford to be a little bit more aggressive in signing certain players. So they lost. Well, they traded away D4. They got rid of Justin Houston. They got rid of Eric Berry. So there was a premium on getting defenders that fit their new scheme with Steve Spagnolo. And so they, they made a deal. And uh, they gave up a lot. Give John Schneider and the Seahawks a lot of credit because oh. this is a deal that worked for both teams. Seahawks only had four picks in this year's NFL draft before they made that deal. So I think that's a smart move, especially from the Seahawks' point of view. They just got to make those draft picks hit because if they don't, then, you know, you're just getting uh, hollow assets, I guess. If those picks don't turn into actually good players, then it really didn't accomplish much except getting rid of a big contract. <laughs> So what does that mean for the future of the Seahawks then going forward? Uh, it just means that there's a, a bigger premium on drafting smart. You know, Frank Clark was a good player. When you have over 30 sacks in three years, he was a very productive player. And so you've got to find ways to fill that gap. And it's challenging with Russell Wilson's contract, but I never want to make it sound like it does more harm than good. Because Russell Wilson's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He compensates for a lot of deficiencies on that roster. So I think he does way more good than harm. It's just often looked at as, man, his contract is just completely in our way, and it's so hard to win. Well, it'd be hard to win without Russell Wilson. So um, I would actually appreciate what you have, even though you have to pay him more than anybody else in the NFL. It's just you've got to find – good, young, cheap talent, and you find that through the draft. And John Schneider, he's shown an ability to hit on some late-round picks that have turned out to be franchise cornerstones. They're just going to have to do that now more than ever with Russell Wilson's contract being set up the way it is. And when you see that, so tonight now the Seahawks now push their way into the first round. Who do you see them getting? 
I don't know, man. It's like crapshoot when you get toward the, you know, when you get into the the playoff teams and later on in the bottom of the first round. Like it cracks me up when you see these seven round mock drafts. It's like, dude, I've done. This is how big of an NFL nerd I am. I've done this with a buddy of mine for years and years. We'll just do a first round mock draft. Okay. You'd be lucky to get close to double digit picks right. Just close to it, you'd be have a phenomenal year. So, like at the bottom of the first round, good luck. I, who knows where they're gonna go? Who's going number one tonight? I'd be very surprised if it's not Kyler Murray. I just, I think it's gonna be that guy. But uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals are gonna hold out hope that someone trades up and trades a boatload to get that number one overall pick, but. Assuming that doesn't happen, I think they go after Kyler Murray. He's Brian No of the No Show. Never a, never a dull moment with him. Join us here on Turning Points where we go both sides of the story. I'm Jake Turner. Tweet him at, at the No Show. Let's go to the Eastern Conference for the NBA. I know we got a little bit uh, pushed off on the NFL here a little bit, but I want to talk about the Eastern Conference, and this has been interesting. You got the Raptors, you got the Celtics, you got the Bucks. Of those three teams, which one do you think is going to represent the East? I like the Bucks. I think they've had a phenomenal year. I love how they get after it defensively, not just on the offensive end. Brooke Lopez facing the floor, shooting the three, has meant a lot to that team. Giannis has kicked it into another gear. And I just I don't trust the other teams in the playoffs. But certainly the Celtics have a lot of talent, and they could put things together. The Raptors, the same thing. I think the Sixers are flawed. <laughs> like, Joel Embiid is talking about oh beating goodness. the Warriors and winning a championship. You're never going to be able to get there with the shooting liability in Ben Simmons. The game just isn't set up like that. Certainly to take down the Warriors, good Lord. So, no, I don't expect them to do it. I would I hitch my wagon to the Bucks. I just think when you are multidimensional and you are more than just an offensive team, I like your chances the most. Are we looking at the new superstar of the NBA with Giannis? Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, he's amazing. I think he's going to be the MVP this year. I think it's deservedly so. So, yeah, he just got to work on his jump shot, man. He's getting there. He's putting in the time. And if he gets um, a reliable jump shot in any way, like – He's going to shut the league down, man. He's crazy right now. I think he's an MVP right now with the suspect jumper. If he really gets consistent with that, he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be one of the greats of all time if he's able to do that. Yeah, it's it's interesting with uh, the Eastern Conference because I love it how everybody keeps saying, oh, the Celtics are back, the Celtics are back, and I'm like, they played the Pacers without Victor Oladipo. I don't really necessarily think they're back, and then... The Sixers, you know, Brian, they just won't shut up. And I, I don't understand why they won't shut up. Because, you know, you're laughing about a, a foul that you put on uh, about a couple of games ago. You're you're just looking immature at times. You, you don't care. And I, I don't know what else to say about the Sixers. I feel like they're always they're, – they're just never a full deck. I, I never feel like Jimmy Butler is ever fitted there. And I don't know if Jimmy Butler's even going to be there next year. I mean, that's another thing, too, to the point where I was babbling. Uh, but on that note, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, I hear you. It's uh, They're a team that 
They've got some talent. There's no doubt about it. Right, they but do. You can tell they're young and immature. <laughs> that shows up quite a bit. It did it essentially, especially in that series against the Nets, like you're pointing out. Um, but Embiid's fantastic players. You just yes. have to have outside shooting. And they've got it with some players, like J.J. Redick is a good outside shooter and Mike Scott. and They've got guys that can hit shots. I don't want to make it sound like nobody can. But in today's NBA, you saw a little bit of it in that Thunder Blazers series when Russell Westbrook just doesn't have a consistent jumper. You've got to have that in today's NBA if you're a guard and you have a prominent role because defenses are going to take advantage of that in the playoffs. And they have a huge weakness with Ben Simmons not being able to shoot. How, how has that become part of the new NBA that you have to have a consistent jumper going forward? I mean, it's just the way the rules are set up mm -hmm. where you really can't touch players and also how the game has evolved. Like, you've got centers you've got bigs shooting threes you look at brooke lopez with the bucks you know you've got stretch fives in the game today <laughs> just the analytics and the emphasis put on shooting and three-point shooting especially look at what's happening with the houston rockets you just have to be able to shoot the ball well or they're going to take advantage of that they're going to roll the defense over to the guys that are threats from shooting range and they're, they're going to not honor your jump shot. They're going to sag up off of you and dare you to shoot. And if you can't, that's going to play right into their hand. And you talk about the Rockets because I was watching the Rockets and the Jazz yesterday. And I was, first off, a lot of credit to Quinn Snyder and the Jazz. You know, they played a hard game here. But, you know, everybody keeps talking about how James Harden's, you know, the best shooter ever. But last night, you saw Eric Gordon and Clint Capella come to life and really make some plays when they needed to. I mean, does this make now the Rockets scary? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really buy them. I okay. just think that can't trust James Harden. James Harden, like last night, he starts off 1 of 11 for the game. He started off 0 of 15 in game three. Like, Unbelievable. That's the stuff he does. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I don't trust Chris Paul's health. Um, so, no, I know that we want, if you, unless you're a Warriors fan, you want to see the Warriors lose. You want to see the champ get knocked off, and especially when they're lackadaisical, I really want to see them get knocked off. Um, but they're just too talented. They're more talented than the Rockets. They're better than the Rockets. And even though the, the Rockets don't lose their focus as much as the Warriors do, they're just not as good as them. And... I think that the Warriors, they might lose their focus against the Clippers. They're less likely to do that against a better team. So I just don't see anybody beating them. What are your thoughts on this year's NBA playoffs? Do you think the system is broken or what is going on? Because I, I watched the NHL, Brian, and I watched three game sevens. And I watched the Stars and the Predators going overtime, Stars one and six. But I'm looking at the NBA and I keep saying to myself, I don't know how this is better. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it starts with the Warriors. I think that okay. the Warriors are they're more bad than good for the NBA. Because take the NFL, for instance. One of the best parts of the NFL is you can go into a season as a fan of a team and have hope. Either that you're going to compete for a Super Bowl or that your season's going to be a lot better than it was the previous year if you had a bad year. 
Look at the Bears. They had a dramatic turnaround from last year to the previous season. And you just don't have the same dynamic in the NBA right now. Can you imagine if Kevin Durant was on the Knicks Yes. the talent was more widespread? It'd be such a better product right now. So I just think the Warriors are hideous for the league. I think they have too much talent. And when you go into a season knowing that the Warriors are going to win a championship, barring some sort of crazy catastrophe with injuries, it's just not as compelling of a product of leagues that you don't know who the champion is going to be. And I couldn't agree more. And you don't have the best basketball player in the league with LeBron James, so you don't have that villain uh, with with this. I mean, you got to have a hero. You have to have a villain. And it just doesn't feel like this is very consistent right now. I mean, I've, I've had conversations with a couple of our basketball guys, and they're kind of just looking at me like, eh, you know, it's, it's a job, you know, because it's just not exciting anymore. I mean, we get the Damian Lillard thing. That was great. And then we got the Clippers. And now we're sitting here as fans going, my goodness, do we need the Clippers to beat the Warriors for us to be interested? Or I, I don't know what's going on, honestly. I just feel like the system is broken. So, I mean, I'm going to ask you this then. If you are Adam Silver, what do you do to fix the system? I don't know that there really is much that you can do. Oh boy. I've joked around about how... David Stern vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers. I've joked around that Adam Silver should veto Kevin Durant re-signing with the Warriors. But, I mean, that really, you can't realistically do that. If he re-signs there and they keep the same nucleus, you've got the same dynamic. You just have a bunch of teams scrambling to try to get close to them when they're not. So, until they their talent is dispersed, and it breaks up a little bit, I'm I'm just not going to be – you're not going to have that draw of, hey, who's going to win the championship? Because anybody who follows the sport closely and doesn't wear, you know, underwear of their favorite team to bed and is a homer and thinks that their team can do something outlandish, which they aren't truly capable of doing, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not that great of a product. It's not that interesting. So what is the better product then right now? What, in terms of, like, what, NHL, NFL? Like, yeah. Just, I love hoops. I, see, I, I think you have to be smart about how you watch the NBA. Okay. Because if you're watching it solely for who's going to win the championship this year, that's not compelling. But if you're watching just for good basketball, the Thunder Blazers series, just as a basketball fan, was great. Yes, it if was. If you're watching the Sixers and the Nets go back and forth, that's fun. Okay. And I also watch... You know, these playoffs are important in terms of the paths of mm -hmm. these teams. Let's say the the Celtics get to the NBA Finals or they lose in six games to the Bucks. Like, that completely changes their path of what they do going forward. So I look at it more beyond this season because this season, in terms of who's going to win a championship, that's not compelling. To me, it's about the next season's coming up and what the teams do this season that puts them on a different path. Take the Raptors, for instance. They got swept by the Cavs last year, and it was just a complete overhaul. They trade the Rosen. They get Kawhi Leonard on a one-season rental. They fire Dwayne Casey. They bring in Nick Nurse. Like, it was a whole thing that Masai Ujiri did just based on last season's results. So other teams are going to do that, and I find that to be interesting. It's more about future seasons to me than it is this season. Yeah, it always feels like 
there's next year for the NBA. It always feels like that. I mean, when you're during the regular season, I just kept saying to myself, they're preparing for next year. And I kind of feel like that kind of hurts the product. But that's a very good point on what you said about, you know, looking at it from a smarter way of basketball instead of as the casual viewer. He's Brian No of The No Show. You can tweet him at, at The No Show. And he is also on NBC Sports uh, Northwest and Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Brian, I was doing my research like I always do, and I saw you are a Hoops fan, so you have come up with a free throw contest with your audience. Brian, how did this start? Um, well, it started with uh, Gilbert Arenas <laughs> months ago. He's going back and forth. I think it was with Swaggy P. I think he and Nick Young were talking about who could hit more three-pointers. Mm -hmm. And um, Gilbert Arenas went out there, and he made 95 of 100 NBA three-pointers, which is just ridiculous. And so I made some random comment on my show, and I was like, I think I could probably make about 40 of them. And my <laughs> producer and the staff, they were like, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. So it became this whole thing. And I did. I made 41 NBA range three-pointers. And from that point, it kind of turned into shooting contests where a coworker challenged me to shoot 100 free throws. And then it's just been taking off where I do that with some of the listeners. Um, and I, I got some work to do, Jake. I got to get better at free throw <laughs> shooting, man. I'm better at three-point shooting than I am free throw shooting, which doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I want to talk to the school down here and say, hey, uh, can we start learning our free throws? Because I guess I need that for sports radio going forward. Yeah, yeah but it's fun, man. It's a good way to connect with people who listen. So I enjoy it. This is crazy. I've known this guy probably since 2009 and always he's just a, a joy to talk to on here. Brian No of The No Show. Tweet him at, at The No Show. Uh, he's on NBC Sports Northwest and Fox Sports Radio. Brian, thanks so much. I understand. I know you got to get going, get to your show, but thanks for coming on Turning Points. You got it, man. Anytime. All right, pal. Thank you. Bye, right, bud. All right. That was Brian No. Jeez. Always a delight with this guy. It's kind of funny when I have him on. You you write things down and you research. And you're sitting to yourself going, okay, all right, I'm going to ask him this. I got this. And then you come to a point where it's like you just never know where he's going to go. And you just have to continue to listen to him and just be like, oh, okay. You bring up this part about the Blazers. Then you, he brings up the NFL, so you jump into the NFL. It's never just as it's just never as cohesive as you think it would be. But that's what makes him so much fun, and that's why I love having him on the show. All right, we're going to take time out here on Turning Points, but don't go away because we still got a lot more coming up here. We're going to have David Bauman from Spectrum, uh, Spectrum Sports, uh, who covers the Orlando Magic. He is a Magic fan himself. He is going to join us and talk about the future. He went 42-40 and 40 this year, got to the playoffs. What does that mean for Orlando? We'll find out next. On Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story, I'm Jake Turner, and you're listening to it right here on iTunes. <laughs> 